where the presence of, the, of God was. He was a right-hand man of Moses. Now, that's got a bit of a wow factor, hasn't it? Who would have liked that job? Not only that, he took over from Moses and led Israel into the promised land, a double wow. What a guy. Who wouldn't want to be a Joshua? But I reckon he got a bit of a raw deal. I thought I'll check him out in Hebrews 11. We all know Hebrews 11. We sort of call it the, the, um, the hall of faith. All the giants of the Old Testament are in Hebrews 11, except Joshua. Really? Give me a break. There's scumbags in there. You might laugh. Jacob, he was a deceiving little conniving little mongrel. Lied to his dad, cheated his brother. I think he lied to his uncle, cheated his uncle. He gets in the hall of faith. What a great guy Jacob is. There was a lady when the good guy, Joshua, decided attacked um, Jericho, there was a lady living in Jericho who had not probably a real reputable occupation, as it's a family show. She gets in the Hall of Faith. Both of these dubious characters are in Jesus' family tree. Joshua? Not a mention. Well, I guess he did get a book to himself, didn't he? So I suppose that's not too bad. But he did build a monument of faith to remind others of what God had done. Do we all know what a monument is? Gee, I thought some of us would. If you travelled round Australia no more than going from here to Calliope, you will see monuments in small towns, large towns to those Australians who have given their lives in, in war conflict over the years. There would be hardly a town where you would go. We sometimes go through a little place, what's it, Wulguga or something, whatever it is. Wuluga, 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 Wuluga. Down near Gympie, 15 houses, a pub and a shop and they've got a war memorial or monument. So what's a a monument? Well, my dictionary says it's a structure or building to honour a special person or event. I've added to help us to remember that person, persons or event, like those war memorials. They help us remember what, that these people have given their life for us so that we can live in this country as we do. They come in all shapes and sizes. When we had the opportunity to go to Europe last year, uh, the one thing that I wanted to do was a World War I battlefield tour. I know that probably doesn't appeal to 99.9% of you, but it did to me. My wife was very gracious and came with me for two days. And... That monument there is a place called Vimy Ridge. And I think the other side of that, the hill drops off. And in World War I, that was a major 
battleground because obviously if you had the high ground, you had the advantage. I think you can see some people there. That gives you some idea of how high that thing is. In my estimate, it's got to be from the ground, it's got to be nearly 30 metres high. It's absolutely huge. And that's for the Canadians who fought in that area in World War I. As I said, they come in all shapes and sizes. The next slide we've got is our friends in England, just south of, um, that, that's actually our sort of southish or eastish of Bristol, Bristol, yeah. And you can see there's a, up above them, there's a plaque on, the, on that rock. And you might be able to read that. But there was a guy caught there in the middle of a storm and he squashed himself in there with his horse. I'm not real sure how they both fitted. But anyway, and it inspired him to write a hymn. All those over 50 would probably recognise the name of it, The Rock of Ages. And this, he wrote that in around 1762. And his name was Augustus Montague Top Lady. Now, isn't that a good name? Don't you like that? Augustus Montague Top Lady. What a name. That's magnificent. I might change my name. So we're seeing you remembering people, places, things like that. Also, some places are built to glorify God. I'm sure we've all heard of the Notre Dame of Paris, have we? Yeah. And it's burnt down. Well, that's the one on the left. And that's a small crowd outside. I don't know what that must have been. I don't know when they took that. There's hardly anyone there. So you can't go there now. So if you've got the opportunity to go to France in the next couple of years, all go, oh, oh, you won't be able to go there. But I'll give you a tip. See the one on the right? You can have a day trip out of Paris. It's one-hour train ride to Amiens. You come out of the station, you walk down the mall type of thing, chuck a right, go into a big square, and that's at one side of the square. That is the Notre Dame of Amiens which is bigger and better than Notre Dame in Paris. So that hasn't had its roof burnt down, so go there. I'll throw that in for nothing. That was a... Another one is St. Paul's Cathedral in London. These places are just, just amazing. And they're built for the glory of God. Just inside of that, Sandy wanted to just lay on the floor and look up to the dome, but I don't think we're allowed to. We, didn't, we, we were part of a prayer meeting there. I'd just like to add that. We, we weren't being tourists all the time. They had a five-minute prayer meeting, which we were able to join in on. They didn't let us pray, but that's okay. So these, these amazing buildings are to remember, to, in remembrance of God and to honour God. And, of course, the next one, anyone recognise that? <coughs> I hope somebody does. <laughs> that is what we're all about. That's a, I thought you would have recognised that. That's sort of blown my next little line because that's the most recognisable and best marketed logo ever. There would be very few people in the world who would see one of those on a building and not think that's a church. Even in areas where Christianity isn't strong. That symbol there is just amazing. People recognise that. And as their um, 
president of the ACC, Queensland and Northern Territory, said yesterday it's probably even more recognisable than Coke. So how about that? And there was no marketing team put that together. It's a monument to God, what he has done and his promises for the future, isn't it? So what can we learn from Joshua's life to help us build our monuments of faith? You're probably thinking, Pastor Mal, what's a monument of faith? I'll save you the embarrassment of asking me. At conference this year, they had one of the sessions, they had some, at the, oh, somewhere during the session, some clips of people sharing their testimonies very briefly and it was like, I was whatever, but now because of Christ, I am what I am now. I have been changed. That's a monument of Christ. That's a monument of faith. That we remember something that has changed in our lives, how God has affected our lives some way, that we're now different. Something we can look back on when we have our next struggle and go, well, hang on, God brought me through back then. That means he can do it again. Maybe not as grand as a Notre Dame or a Canadian um, memorial thing, but it's up here, it's in here. So what can we learn from Joshua to help us with our monuments of faith? Number one is know or recognise your season, the season that you're in. Is God building a monument or do you need to look at one in the season that you're in? Because God is at work no matter what your season is. Ecclesiastes Is in my Bible somewhere. Uh, chapter 3. I'm sure most of us have probably... probably. I'm going to look it up at the front. I've lost it. Anyone else lost Ecclesiastes? I had him here this afternoon. There he is. Four, page 458 if you're looking. I haven't heard that joke for a long time and obviously nobody got it. Oh, that's because you're all on phones these days, isn't it? You don't have page numbers. Righto, chapter 3. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, and a time to break down and a time to build up. And it goes on for a few more verses about our seasons. So here's Joshua, as I said, he was born into slavery. That's a season. Imagine his excitement when he heard we're leaving Egypt and going to the promised land. Only to find that he's going to have to wait 40 years because of his unbelieving generation that he was a part of. Another season. And then comes the crossing of the Jordan. He's been appointed head of the Israelites. 
and he's crossed the Jordan and he's about to take Jericho. What an exciting season. And then he goes and moves into the rest, taking over the rest of the promised land. We need to recognise our season. Because if we understand our season, that's going to give us a peace. And as I said, it could be a season where we need to look back to a monument of faith or maybe God is building one in the season that we're in. In about, I think it must have been 1986, I was uh, just spending a time of worship and reading the word and I had a sense that in some way I was called of God. I never wanted to be a pastor, but I wanted to do something, some sort of ministry. Obviously God had other ideas. So that was 1986. In 19, was it 94, dear? I was pastor in... 94, something like that. I was a pastor in Orange in New South Wales and getting near the end of that year, I sensed God clearly telling me this isn't it. And then in 2006, um, yeah, James and Michelle were pastoring the church on their own. Andrew, had, I think he'd gone to South Australia by then. And they were pretty busy. And so I uh, decided that uh, maybe I should stop being lazy and see what I can do. And I couldn't get to see James for a week or so. And in between that time, I had a TV DVD encounter with God. Moses had a burning bush. I was sitting under a TV and a DVD that was up on the wall. I was at a men's camp up at, um, oh, what's that place? No, 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 the other one on the beach. Cool Waters, thank you. At Cool Waters. And we were doing a, um, a communion service. And they were doing one of these things where... We would, they gave us about 15 minutes to just sit and wait on the Lord and think of something and we were to come out the front and pick up our piece of bread and repent of what, it was something to repent of and, and give over to God and then hand it. We didn't actually eat it. And I'm oh, I hate these things. Just, they just don't do anything for me. The only thing is I didn't rely, I didn't think about the Holy Spirit turning up which he did in that meeting. And I had a very strong sense, it wasn't like a word or just a sense that I had that God was saying, you need to repent of not answering your call. Well, that's a bit much, a bit harsh, I thought. So that was good. So I get to see James and I said, I told him what happened there and I said, look, I, you know, whatever I can do here, but you know, if it's not here, well, I'm going to have to go somewhere else because you know I've got to answer God's call. And um, by the end, that was sort of June, I think October or beginning of October of that year, I started here as the assistant pastor and you haven't been able to get rid of me since. James said this morning about God's timing. 
God's timing is best and we need to recognise the season we're in. Secondly, we need to be faithful in the house. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Joshua was, Joshua was born in the house. Do you understand what I mean when I say born in the house? These two here are born in the house. That one there too. Here you were. I got, I got one there and I got one up there. They were born in the house. Their parents have been Christians for a number of years. They've grown up coming to church. They are just, yep, they're just in the house. That's what we mean by being born in the house. They've just grown up with church being a part of their lives. This was Joshua. He was born into the Israelites. He didn't have any choice. But through all these seasons, he was faithful to the leadership of the house of Israel. He was faithful to Moses. He was there all the time. We don't really know what he did, apart from sit in a tent in the presence of God. But he was there. We need to be faithful. Do what you can for the house. I'll exp- oh, that's not, no, that's not my phone. Good, that'd be embarrassing. If it was mine, it's all right if it's someone else's. Uh, that's right. I'll expand that to not only the, you know, the house, but for, for, the, for the church, for the, the body of Christ. Do what you can. Um, people who might have been here yesterday will think I'm copying John Hunt's story about what he used to do when he started. I was very similar. Uniting Church in Karoi, I was a Christian for about a half an hour and I was teaching Sunday school. <laughs> it was really good actually because I'd have to learn the lesson. <laughs> yeah. So I was learning as I went. Unlike John, I didn't progress to being a Sunday school um, coordinator, whatever you call them at that stage. But I have done that. I've done... Um, what do you call them, junior youth groups, life groups, all these sorts of things. And it was because someone needed to do it. You know, I thought, you know, some people, oh, don't you have to fast and pray to do all those things? Well, not if someone has to do it and you're the only one who can do it. John Hunt, who had a very similar story, you know, things just, he was just asked, you know, would you do it? Oh, you're all right. And he's now the president of our state. I'm not sure whether I'm going to quite get to that height. But it's being faithful in the house. Doing what you can. Thirdly, we need to live in the presence of God. Genesis 6, 9. Genesis 6, 9 says, This is the genealogy of Noah. I will spare you all that. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. He was in the presence of God. I said earlier that Joshua never left the tent of Moses. This was pre the tabernacle. 
And when the, when the um, Israelites camped in the wilderness, Moses would go far away from the camp and pitch his tent and his offsider Joshua was there with him. And then the presence of the Lord had come into the tent and would be there. Moses would walk off and tell the Israelite people what God had said, but Joshua stayed in the presence of God. See, that's um, the Old Testament. God wasn't, in a sense, everywhere. He was either here or he was here. He was in that tent. He wasn't, or he was up on Mount Sinai, or he met, I guess the, the sense is that he met with people in different places. Then they built the tabernacle, and that's where God dwelt, in the tabernacle. Then they built the temple. So that's sort of like, you know, the, the only church we've got in the state is in Brisbane. So if you wanted to go to church, they had to go all the way to Jerusalem. We would have to go to Brisbane. Not real convenient. But thankfully, that's not anymore. We have the Holy Spirit. Christ lives within us. God, in that sense, is everywhere. So, I'm sure most of us know all the things. We need to pray. We need to read the Bible. They're all just givens, really. Uh, those type, types of things. If you want to be in the presence of God, you know, and, and do what works for you. I know I read things and they say, oh, make sure you, know, you get up every morning at 6 o'clock and you, you, do a, you know, do this, 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 this and that. But if that doesn't work for you, well, I don't really see the point in doing it. I remember living in Normanton at one stage and who knows the name, Yongi Cho, Pastor Yongi Cho. From, you know, he used to pray you know, 36 hours a day and this sort of thing. So I'll be like Yongi Cho. I'll get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'll pray until half past six and I'll go to work. I had to start at seven. I'll guarantee by quarter past four I was asleep. <laughs> it was stupid. Yongi Cho didn't work a hard manual day every day of his week. He, he could pray because he was a senior pastor of an amazing church and, and that was his job. So I had to, you know, you, you work it to work for you. Now, John Wesley... Some of us know the name John Wesley. He started, I think, was it the Methodist Church or something. Someone give me a nod if they... Yes? Something like that. Anyway, but he was a great preacher in England. And the story goes, I've, been, I've heard or told, that he had a big family and his mum used to sit in the kitchen with an apron over her head to pray with God. You did not disturb mum and she had the apron over her head. That was the only thing she could do. So kids, when you get home and mum's got the apron over the head, don't go near her. You'll be in trouble. But we need to live in God's presence. Remember what God has done. Number four, remember what God has done. This is, the, I guess, the, the key to monuments of faith. And we see in Joshua 4... They, um, God had told Joshua to take the people through to uh, into the promised land, and as they got to the to the uh, River Jordan, it was a bit of an obstacle. 
And he said, listen, Joshua, get the priests and the ark, get them to walk into the, into the river. The river's going to part like it did at the Red Sea. And then they'll stand in the middle of the river and then all the Israelites will go through into the promised land. What I want you to do is get a person from each tribe and collect 12 stones from where the, um, the priests and the ark are standing and take them with you to the place where you camped that night. And so they did that. They got the rocks. And that night they, they um, camped at a place called Gilgal, I think it is, if I can find it here somewhere. And so Joshua set up the 12 stones. And then he, uh, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he had dried up before as until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. That is a monument of faith. So that when some people ask, you can say, well, the Lord has done this. James's story this morning, I'm not going to say it all again. If you didn't, weren't here this morning, you'll ask James and Michelle or go on the podcast about their first child and a monument of faith was made at that time so that when hard times come again, they would look back and go, God did this then, he can do this now. We can have faith in God. A strengthening of our faith, our monuments. We all have monuments of, some, of faith. We all have things that God has done that if we look back, we can know he's going to do it again. We can believe his promises. God's provisions. Anyone sort of really needed something and God's just come through couple good hopefully we can spread that over God's healing that's a monument of faith God's love is a monument of faith knowing your love you know I know people that never felt loved until they got to know God that's a monument of faith At the conference, these clips, again, were monuments of faith. And I actually forgot to mention earlier, we had two of our own people starring on those clips. No, he's not hiding up there, is he? Shah's dad, Trevor, was one of them, and Andrew Young. They shared their monuments of faith. This had happened, but God did this, and this is what happened. A monument of faith. When we look to the monument of the past, it helps us take hold of the monuments yet to be built. Helps us to believe God's promises. 
Joshua had been through slavery, a wilderness, yet continued to believe God's promises for Israel because of the monuments of faith. He'd seen what God had done in Egypt. He'd seen how they'd got out of Egypt. The Red Sea had parted. The miraculous provisions of God while in the wilderness. Monuments are not for us to go back to into the past, but to help us to go forward into the future. This week I received an email from a mate and uh, he had a picture attached. He apologised and said, somebody just posted this off on the internet, I thought I'd show you. And it was a picture of me and a couple of other guys. And you know, it's a monument of faith for me. Why don't we put it up? <laughs> I'm not the one with the red hair. Obviously, I haven't changed much. I still need a haircut. That's somewhere in early 80s, somewhere in Northern Territory, he told me but we're not real sure. And that's a couple of guys I was in the army with. That to me is a real monument of faith. To see what I was, to see where I am now. I sometimes think, what if I'd stayed in the army? Made you know, a career, I'd have done it up for three years. Well, I probably would have done all right. I may have found a wife, I may not have. Life could have been okay. Could have had a real good life. But it would have been a life without hope. A life without a future. A life without Christ. So when I see that, that's one of my monuments. I can look back to what God has done in my life over since 1983. It's a real, uh, yeah, good picture, isn't it? Yeah. There's probably still some guests trying to guess which one it is. Do we all know which one I am? Oh, you do so. You don't? Oh, give us a break. I haven't got red hair. Obviously, I'm not drinking beer. I've probably already finished it, and that's probably why. Or as I said to my mate, the shock look on my face is probably because they were the last two beers and I missed out. <laughs> but I don't do that now because the God has got a hold of my life. Maybe we better get rid of that picture. So I'm the one on the, on the right with the, with the wonderful Movember. I've got it happening. We better move on, I think. With a, I don't need to see too much more of that. What a great memorial of faith, though, a reminder of what God has done in my life. We need to have our monuments of faith, not only for ourselves, but for each other, so that we can encourage others that 
are going through something we've gone through and we can share that testimony. We need monuments of faith when we go, go to work, go to our unsafe families, wherever, our sports clubs, whatever we do out of church, so that our community can recognise the monuments of God that are placed within us. Wouldn't it be good if they recognised them just as easily as they did a, a, a war memorial in, country, in, in cities and country, uh, towns in Australia? Yeah. They would recognise the memorials of God in our lives. Question to leave you with. I guess it's, um, I got up there, what monuments of faith are you building? I guess we can always also say, what monuments have you already got to the glory of God? Because they're up here, a lot of them. We don't, you know, we don't go and make a bricks and mortar thing where, you know, God healed me here on this day. More... Um, Monuments of faith. Let's stand again. Actually, we'll get, yeah, we'll get the get the team back. Thanks, Kate. Are you in a season where your monuments are being built? Are you being faithful in the house, in the body of Christ? Are you living in God's presence? Are you remembering what God has done when the next challenge comes along? Because they do come along, don't they? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can learn from people like Joshua. I know there's other things in his life or not, and the other... Uh, people in the Bible, Lord, that we could add to the, to, to the four so that I've had tonight, Lord. But we thank you that we have monuments of faith where when we go to through our next season, we can look back and think, well, thank you, Lord, that you got me through that one. So I'm trusting and believing you're going to get me through this one. Father, I pray for those that may be going through one of those seasons at this time, that they will look back to their memorials of faith. Father, we pray for those that are maybe in a season where that memorial is being built in their spirit, in their hearts and in their minds. We thank you, Father, that as we understand and we recognise memorials of faith that we can glorify your name.